right now we're doing our rewatch of the boys to prepare you for season two this is episode one the name of the game i'm caleb edward edley here with my co-host as always clay stroman how you doing clay hey hey what's up caleb awesome so like i said we're doing episode one of the boys today the episode title is the name of the game the boys is based on the comic book written by garth enos and Derek robertson this episode written by eric kripke directed by dan trachtenberg our summary is when a soup kills the love of his life av salesman huey campbell teams up with billy butcher a vigilante hellbent on punishing corrupt supers and huey's life will never be the same again Sounds like and by the way, just to kind of set the scene a little bit for uh, for who kind of came up with this concept, like Garth Enos, right? He he's worked on a couple other things that a lot of people have heard of before. Like he's worked on Preacher, which was a show that was on AMC, uh, I believe, created by Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. Um, a similarly kind of dark, humorous type of type of tale. Um, he's also done some work on Judge Dredd and The Punisher for Marvel too. So so definitely kind of a theme here with uh, with the stuff that Garth is coming up with. That, that dark, that dark humor, you know, tough, uh, tough concepts and themes and things like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I did not know that he uh, did Preacher as well. It's interesting because Seth yep. Rogen's like a producer on this and Preacher. So I, I guess he really, really right. enjoys uh, right. this. Absolutely. And Seth Rogen actually was supposed to uh, direct this first episode here. Scheduling conflicts got in the way and he just kind of became an executive producer. Are you, are you stealing my fun fact? Wait, where do you have that? That's trivia fact number three, man. Bro, you don't know much about this show, and I can already tell. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're doing a rewatch. We're going to do it spoiler-free. Clay and I have both already seen this entire first season, but we're going to go through it one by one like we've never seen it, so you can follow along as, on your rewatch, and you don't have to worry about getting spoiled about uh, future episodes. So, you ready to get started, Clay? Yeah, let's get after it. Awesome. All right. So, downtown, we, we open on two kids who discuss who would win in a fight between the Deep and Translucent. A large van transporting money, which has been hijacked, speeds towards the kids who try to run but are unsex- unsuccessful. Just before the van hits the kids, it's stopped by Queen Maeve, our first super that we see. She's obviously a Wonder Woman copy, who fights off the assailants with Homelander's assistance. News agencies report that uh, Homelander and Queen Maeve never miss a chance at publicity, with Homelander taking photographs with the nearby pedestrians doing the whole celebrity superhero thing, which we, we get a lot of um, in this first episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is very much like a kind of like a set-the-tone scene just right off the bat here. We've got these kids arguing about, you know, who would win in a fight between two of the seven. They're talking about which movie is better. It's It's, like, very clear that these... They're not just heroes, they're celebrities. Right. And there may be more so celebrities than heroes when it really comes down to it. Um, you know, Maeve and Homelander show up, they stop the, uh, you know, the, the robbery and all that. They stop the truck, and then they're taking selfies and things like that. And it's, you can definitely tell that this is a very celebrity-based kind of superhero vibe. Very much so. And this brings us to my first trivia fact, which discusses how the shot of Queen Maeve stopping that truck was made. Uh, the shot in which Queen Maeve shatters an armored truck was created first by crashing an armored truck into a steel pole, and then they later removed the pole f- with VFX and then ins- inserted the actress in, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, it's always interesting to know how these scenes are kind of created. Right. A glimpse into movie magic. Absolutely. All right. So, at Bryman Audio, Huey Campbell, who is our hero, for lack of a better term, in the, our protagonist, Huey Campbell tries to talk to his manager, 
however, is shut down immediately. He meets with his girlfriend, Robin, having arranged to have lunch together. After leaving the shop, Robin asks if he asked his manager, Gary, for a raise. Huey jokes that he couldn't just kick the door down like Homelander. Robin and Huey discuss them living together. Then Robin suddenly explodes, having been hit by A-Train um, after he's running away. Uh, Huey is left on the roadside, covered in Robin's blood and holding her severed hands. After stopping for a moment, covered in blood, A-Train with a red duffel bag slung across his chest says, I can't stop, I can't stop, and then he zooms away. Then yeah, and A-Train is, is definitely our, our kind of flash copy in this world, for sure. Yeah. And right off the bat, yeah, and right off the bat, they're setting up Huey to be this, I don't know, this pushover, you know, he's not confident. Um, he tries to talk to his manager about that raise, instantly it's shut down, like he said, and, you know, he doesn't fight, he's not a fighter at all. Um, and then obviously something very tragic happens to him as he kind of leaves work that day and it kind of changes everything a little bit. Right. Um, remind me, have you read the comics? So I actually haven't, I just kind of did like a little bit of research while the show, you know, while it originally released, Mm -hmm. just wanted to know a little bit about like kind of where it came from. Um, it's always interesting to see if they are following the comic Mm -hmm. and with this show, they're definitely not to a T. Um, but some of the main events are definitely still there from the comics from what I've seen. Right. Yeah. And the reason I was, cause I haven't read the comics either, but I did, I did a little, a little wiki research as well. And, uh, we were talking about Huey and Huey in the, um, comic, he's like a Scottish guy. He calls himself Wee Huey. It's like a little nickname. He's, it's a, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of differences in the comic book and then a lot of yeah very much so like you were saying are kind of there but they also change like a shit ton so i feel like you could watch and or read both and still come away with with uh different feelings if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely and in the the comic was always known to be like really dark you know it, it tried these heavy themes and it was very violent and things like that and with the show, they actually wanted to push it to the next level. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, different vibes, some of the same events, but they even went a little further in the show. Um, obviously, they changed a few of the characters, like Huey. They made him, I don't know, maybe a little bit more relatable sure. um, than this this Scottish guy, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, after this, we go to Iowa, and Starlight's auditioning for the Seven, and she partakes in an interview and shows her ability to project blinding white light from her body. Meanwhile, Huey watches the news in which A-Train regret, regrets, that's like big air quotes, uh, the death of Robin, telling the whole world that she stepped out into the middle of the street while he was chasing bank robbers. A representative of Vought International arrives at his door, revealing that Vought would like to offer him $45,000 if he signs an NDA. He asks for time to think about it right after he has a vision of himself attacking the representative, which I honestly forgot that that was a vision when I was rewatching it. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't realize he got that emotional that quick. But then we yep. that it was all fake in his head. Yep. Yeah, definitely part of the whole he's not a fighter type of thing. He's kind of got these, like, visions of, of being more confident, being more of a badass, like, kind of taking matters into his own hands. It's like, you can tell that that's the person he wants to be. Mm-hmm. He's just not there. Like, he's just not that guy. Exactly. So, back in Iowa, Starlight receives a call from Vought announcing that she has been accepted to join the Seven. She and her mother are ecstatic. Huey attempts to pull a lawsuit case together against A-Train, but is shut down by his father, who tries to convince him to take the deal as they could use the money. And, of course, Huey refuses. And we move to New York. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I was just gonna say at this point, you. I mean, first of all, his dad is Simon Pegg, which that's that's a pretty solid addition to to any show or any movie. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's kind of just interesting to have kind of like a big actor like that in a small role. Um, and what's kind of funny about this scene is it it definitely cements the fact that Huey, you know, he is a pushover, he's a fighter, or he's not a fighter. Um, pretty much because his dad is that way too. Mm-hmm. His dad tells him straight up in the scene, Huey, you're not a fighter. I'm not a fighter. We never have been. Just take the money and run. You know, just just forgive the the soups for what they've done, and and we could really use the money. Right. And obviously, that's that's not what Huey's looking for these days. He kind of you know he's starting to think of revenge a little bit at this point. Exactly. Um, and here's a trivia fact that I didn't actually write down in the notes, Clay, but I remember reading about it. Simon Pegg was actually the the inspiration, the drawing inspiration for Huey in the comics. So it's pretty cool that uh, he got to be a part of the show as well. That is a great little fun fact right there, and I'm glad that I now know it. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. So in New York, Vaught International hosts its 2019 shareholder event in which The Deep announces the retirement of Lamplighter and introduces Starlight. Vault also premieres its plan for the future in which a superhero will guard every city. Um, I, I wish we got a little bit more on Lamplighter. I know he's just like, he's retired and that's how Starlight gets in, but I was, his, he looks like he's got a pretty cool power. I'm always interested by like fire powers and, and we don't really see yeah. anything from Yeah, him. he definitely, like he's got the hood, he's got the mask, he's got that cool like fire staff or whatever. Right. Um, so they, they definitely brush it off very easily. They're like, okay, this guy, Lamplighter, he's retiring. We're bringing in the new girl, everything like that. Um, they do, I want to say they do kind of touch on it a little bit more later on. Mm-hmm. Um, really, at the end of the day, things aren't as simple as they seem with Lamplighter at this point, I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. Yeah, I was so, going to ask you because I, I can't remember from the first watch through, but we know from this episode that like what they say isn't always what's going down. So I couldn't remember right. if lamplighter actually retired or if it was if something else happened so uh, i'm looking forward to figuring that out yeah yeah and i mean vaude international this huge like global conglomerate company it's established pretty early on that they're like super powerful they've got their hand in you know a lot of different areas all across the world um and and things are definitely not what they seem with this company and that that seems pretty clear just from even the first couple mentions of them right um so like you said a lot of the things that are being said around this company um, you kind of take them with a grain of salt a little bit here and there. And uh, there is there is actually a little bit more mystery behind the whole lamplighter thing than we have any idea about at this point. And uh, that's that's kind of something to talk about at a later date, but sure. eventually we'll get into that. Gotcha. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of the... I feel like that's kind of the thing with any company, like what they say and what's going on in like the boardrooms and whatnot are always very different. It's just this is on such a grander scale because we have like these superhumans um, that we're dealing with in this company, which yeah, pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, and they make it they make it really clear that they're all about PR. Yeah. So they're always going to try to say things in the best light possible. Right. Give it give it that spin. Yep. So at the Sevens headquarters, the Deep shows Starlight around. She says that she's standing where she always wanted to be and even reveals that she once had a crush on the Deep as a kid. Prompted by this, the Deep removes his pants, which horrifies Starlight. The Deep, however, reveals that oral sex with him is the price she must pay to remain a member of the Seven. In order to persuade her, he blackmails her, saying that he is second in command of the Seven and will tell Homelander that she attacked him if she does not agree. So right off the bat, we see that uh, the superheroes aren't 
the up, upholding citizens. So we got the A train and now we got the deep. So it's not just like a one one superhero kind of thing. It's like it looks like yep. it's all of them. Yep. And I mean, even from that first that first scene, you can tell that Homelander is probably I don't know for lack of a better word, he's probably a little bit of a douchebag himself in his own way. Um, and then they and then they establish the deep and they show us right off the bat that this guy's just a scumbag. Um, I have a trivia fact here. Trivia fact number two, asterisk, because I added that extra one. But in the comics, Starlight performs sexual acts with Black Noir, Homelander, and A-Train. In this episode, she only performs them with the Deep, and the rest of the seven aren't aware. So in the comics, was it was it that scene? It had Black Noir, Homelander, and A-Train involved in that specific scene? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, not cool. Well, I don't know. I guess <laughs> Interesting. I can spoil this, because... The, the show's not really going with the comics. But um, as I was doing some reading about the comics, apparently they only hired Starlight specifically to rape her and sexually assault her. That was, like, their goal in hiring her. They didn't take her seriously. They just wanted to, to do bad things. All right. It's, I guess it's only just, a, like, a plus that she happens to be super, super powerful and could be a... Uh, heavy contributor to the team, I guess, maybe. Right. But maybe I, not. I also think that, I mean, that says something as to how we probably, like, I'm sure that's Garrison's, what is it, Gareth? Gareth? Garth. Garth, thank you. Garth Enos, uh, his tale on, like, w- women in the real world, they can do all these amazing things, but there's still dudes out there who just see them as these kind of objects and not worth much. Not that, like, that's obviously not how they are, but that's the view that some people have. And I think that he's showing even like these superpowered people kind of, even though she's got superpowers. Yeah. But they're not our superpowers. So, and she's a woman. So, you know, yeah, I think, yeah. 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 And this, this show, the comic, the show um, is very much all about themes like abuses of power, sexual, you know, abuse and things like that. Um, And like you said, even though she is super powerful, she's the new kid on the block you know, she doesn't really know the situation she's in yet. She doesn't know these people yet. And they 100% take advantage. Right, right. Because she's from this small Iowa town. She's like this small girl, br- bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know. Uh, naive, I guess. For Yep, absolutely. Know. Naive, innocent. She's idealistic. Right. Um, and she just doesn't know what she's getting herself into. Her dream is not really what she thought it was going to turn out to be. Exactly. Gotcha. So, at work... Huey watches Translucent's interview on the Jimmy Fallon show when Billy Butcher enters. He introduces himself as FBI, saying that he has heard of Huey's story and they should talk. Billy says that the soups lose hundreds of people a year, but the public loves soups, which is why nobody cares what they get up to. So, again, we get just getting more and more evidence about how corrupt these superheroes are. Um... So Billy brings Huey to an undercover soup bar, saying that this is the only place soups can be themselves. Billy shows Huey CCTV footage of A-Train at the bar laughing about Robin's death, which encourages him to join Billy. Billy hands Huey the police log from the night of Robin's death, which shows no bank alarms hinting that A-Train is hiding something. Billy tells Huey to call Vought and tell them he will sign the NDA, but only if A-Train is there in person. Billy plans for Huey to plant a bug in Seven Tower, but... Of course, he refuses. Um, Obviously, he's not a fighter yet. Exactly. We have to get this. And I, I remember I was watching. I was like, Jesus Christ, just do it. Like, they, they ran through your girlfriend. You, you, like, you have 
all of the necessary like fuel just like let it burn but we're not we're not there yet yep. he's still he's but at the same i mean at the same time he's juxtaposed with this badass billy butcher you know this ex like cia black operative right. turned vigilante who is willing to do whatever it takes to to take these soups down and like he's got all these skills and all this training that he's built up over years and things like that and first of all huey doesn't know anything about this guy he just knows that he's kind of scary and he wants to to essentially beat the soups. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, you know, he's thinking about, I don't have those skills. I can't go into that place and be, you know, covert. I can't pull this mission off. What are you even thinking asking me this? Right. It's uh, Billy's all action and Huey is in action. So. Yeah, at this point, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to ca- kind of like take a quick step back. You mentioned that, you know, the translucent interview on Jimmy Fallon, which is obviously just another example of, of that these, these heroes are, more celebrities than anything right um you know they've got translucent on billy on jimmy fallon uh showing off his his powers and explaining like what he's all about and you know everybody in the uh the audience is just going wild for it um because people just love these guys and of course it's jimmy fallon who anytime he's interviewing a celebrity it's like the most amazing thing they could like fart of course amazing of course of course he's probably i mean he's always known for like not being able to hold back laughter, like right. when he was on SNL and, and everything, he was so bad at that. Even in that scene, it wasn't even funny, but he was probably still like just dying to start laughing sure. for whatever reason. I, I feel like he's just like always happy to be there, like which is a good energy to have, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So at Vaught Industries, Madeline Stilwell offers the mayor of Baltimore one of Vaught's soups, Nubian Prince. She tries to barter a $300 million a year deal, but the mayor laughs, offering $200 million. Steve, the mayor, claims that he knows about Compound V and is willing to expose the truth if Madeline doesn't agree. Madeline refuses to acknowledge Compound V's existence, however, stating that they'll go to Atlanta instead. So I think this is like our, our season mystery, like what is Compound V? What, it, what, it, what is this stuff, right? Right, and they're, they're flashing it to us right off the bat here, too. Uh, you know, this guy's going to blackmail them based off of something that we don't know anything about as the audience. Right. So it builds up this whole, okay, what's going on here? Obviously, there's something in the background. Exactly. And I, I remember thinking $300 million a year. Like, that's great. Like, I, I'm, I'm stupid when it comes to, like, money, I guess. But, like, do city – I mean, Baltimore's a pretty big city, but do they have the budget for $300 million a year? Or are we thinking, like – we're in the future and this is inflation of some sort. I mean, regardless, this is a superhero that they're selling Baltimore right now. So exactly. it's, so, I, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that any city would be able to put down that type of money for really much of anything. Right. Um, especially just one guy to protect the city. But I mean, having this soup in Baltimore, I guess it changes the whole dynamic of everything. Like the policing, law enforcement in general changes throughout the whole city, and obviously Baltimore is kind of bad about that stuff. Right. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting is that um, Madeline, she mentions, you know, we've got Nubian Prince, right? He's going to Baltimore here. He's uh, he fits the demographic and things like that. It's just it's interesting to see like that aspect of this whole thing, where they want to put superheroes everywhere, but they're picking the ones that will play the best with the uh, the citizens of that town and things like that. Right. I was just about to mention that. Yeah. When she's talking about the demographics and everything and she's like yep. you know white people still like him but he's black so the black the black people in your community are gonna like him too um, right but yeah and i guess the 300 million dollars like if you have a superhero you can make budget cuts into the police and, and 
cut other places because you got a superhero, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably the that's probably the line of thinking there. Gotcha. But so, as I mean, as you said, he didn't want to give up the three hundred million. You know, he offered yeah, two hundred million because three hundred. He, he he lowered it down to only two hundred million. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've got two hundred million hanging around, but three hundred million—that's going to break the bank for me. All right. Over the phone, Starlight attempts to tell her mother, Donna January, about what happened with the Deep, but just cries instead. Sitting on the same park bench, this gets Huey's attention. Both say they're having bad days. Starlight ad admits that her life isn't what she thought it would be, while Huey reminisces about his time with Robin. Huey meets again with Billy, declaring that he's in on the deal. This, this talk, this thought about Robin, this conversation he had with Starlight has really sparked something in, in him. So Huey calls Vought, agreeing to take the deal, but only if A-Train apologizes in person. So we're starting to see him maybe come out of that shell a little bit, be a little more active. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and this is one of the scenes that kind of uh, coincides pretty well with the comics. Um, Starlight and Huey just kind of meeting randomly, mm -hmm. not knowing anything about each other. Like, obviously, Huey doesn't know that Starlight is uh, a soup she doesn't know anything about huey uh, she obviously doesn't know that he's part of the boys she has no idea what the boys even are um but yeah it's definitely one of those one of those things that's like kind of a character moment for huey he opens up with starlight he like kind of bonds with her right off the bat and then having that conversation kind of like leads him to decide all right i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take some action here and make some shit happen right exactly um and i, I do want to mention something about starlight's mom that's that's another kind of interesting aspect of this of this like universe. So Starlight's mom is very much one of those like like pageant moms, you know, the ones that like toddlers and tiaras that type of thing. Right. And she was constantly showing Starlight off as she was a kid in pageants because of her powers. Um, I guess she was born. I think she was born with her powers, or that's the story at least. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just another interesting aspect of this this universe that that the heroes even at a young age are kind of. Um, exploited like this. Right, yeah, we didn't mention that, but yeah, she says it in the beginning during her interview that she's won all these pageants and, and all that other stuff, so that was a good good call. Yeah, and, yeah, and her, mom is, her mom is way more invested in uh, her career than she even is. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So, at Seven Tower, Homelander holds a meeting. The deep mocks Starlight, but she is able to stand her ground, insisting that she is in the Seven to stay. A Homelander tells the team he wants to hear who the seven saved today starting with black noir and yeah I, he made that stupid joke about being hard to swallow or something and then she like pops yep. right back at him so it was good on her yeah yeah this is this is starlight doing her first kind of like making making it known for the first time that she's not going to just like sit down and take it right um so yeah you're, you're definitely seeing her kind of develop right alongside huey again a little bit i guess too right and i feel like we see her i maybe i they both had traumatic things happen to them, but I feel like we see her come to the "I'm here, I'm gonna do something, I'm, I'm actiony" faster than we see Huey. Would you agree or disagree? Oh yeah, absolutely, and it makes sense because Starlight kind of already knows that she's a fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and this is like this is something that Huey has to um, has to like like dig out of himself. But Starlight kind of already has it. She was just a little confused in like a new situation and things like that. Um, so she was able to turn around quicker. Right. Yeah. She. I, she still. She thought the the seven were good heroes like she was, and and then once she realizes that that's not the case, she just bounce. She learns. She pivots. Yep. And I'm sure if Huey had um, 
the power to basically harness the sun and like burn people with it, then he'd probably he'd probably be quicker to turn around and start fighting too. Yep, probably. <laughs> uh, so um, and also also in the comics, I believe I want to say that Huey um, is actually like powerful. Like he has superpowers. Mm, well, okay. I, I don't. I don't really want to get into it too deep because it might be a spoiler for the show. Um, there's something about Compound V involved. Gotcha. Okay. Well. Yeah. Something. Yeah. To be on but the uh, but in the in the, yep. But in the show, the the boys kind of are more powerful than just regular humans that we see that we see on the show so far. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Moving along, Billy takes Huey to Seven Tower, instructing him on how to plant the bug. Huey is hesitant and scared, but he is able to get past the security in Seven Tower and meets with A-Train. Huey follows Billy's instructions, but unbeknownst to him, is witnessed by Translucent Translucent dropping the bug on the floor in the toilet. He signs the NDA and is able to plant the bug. Billy drops Huey back off at work, saying that he has done everything he needs him for at the moment. So yeah, we... We learned earlier, we didn't mention this, but Translucent likes to hang out in the bathroom and, and watch the girls, I guess. He's a pervert. Um, well, supposedly, so I thought it was a women's bathroom in that first scene when he was in there, but then Huey goes into it. Right. So it must just be like a co-ed bathroom. Regardless, Translucent, in order to be invisible, he has to be naked. So he just chills in there naked, watching the girls. <laughs> like like one is want to. Stand up guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, of course, he was already in there when, when Huey walked in there and, and screwed up with his bug, dropping it on the floor. Right. A total dumbass moment. Yep. So, Madeline calls Steve, the, the mayor of Baltimore, saying that she's willing to take $230 million from Nubian Prince and asking if he'll be discreet about the Compound V rumors. So, we see she's given in to the, not totally, she didn't go all the way down to 200 but 230 she's like okay i can do this so we immediately know that he's got some kind of bearing like this compound v stuff is is something that she's scared um will get out yeah and she's definitely still cagey about it she's like you know whether rumors are true or not they could still hurt us and things like that so can we just be discreet regardless and i'll kind of take your deal exactly um yeah so then we're back at uh, Huey's store. Translucent confronts Huey about the bug planted in Seven Tower, assaulting and threatening him. He is saved by Billy, however, who smashes through the storefront, running Translucent over with a car. Billy and Translucent fight, eventually leading to Huey electrocuting Translucent. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty decent fight for uh, one person being invisible and the other being the only visible person. Yeah, it's a really solid fight. I was actually, on my rewatch, I was just like kind of thinking like, God... I know this fight's about to happen. Like we got Translucent holding up the TV, about to drop it on on Huey, and I know it's about to go down. We've got Billy coming through with his car and smashing Translucent, and then we get to see like how badass of a fighter Billy is. Right. Like he's not scared of these soups, right? Translucent is almost invincible. Like he's got this like carbon skin, right? You can't really like hurt him even. But we've got Billy like spitting blood on him so he can see him while he's invisible and. And just like using all these different tactics to beat this guy, and he's not scared whatsoever. Right, which makes him even more of X. Like these guys got superpowers, like you said, and and he does not yep. back down an inch. Yeah, yeah. And then we also get a get a chance to kind of see that that Huey maybe is a little bit more resourceful, maybe um, a little smarter, maybe a little bit more clever, maybe a little bit more of a natural fighter than you know we saw before. He's got you know he works for this AV store. 
and he's got these, you know, he ends up electrocuting him with a wire, and then we, we'll see a little, you know, we'll see a few more versions of that type of thing from Huey in the second episode, too, but he's got these kind of, like, like tech skills. Right. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Okay, so, last little scene here. On his flight, Steve and his son notice Homelander flying alongside their jet. His son questions whether they are friends. Just then, Homelander uses his heat vision to destroy the plane, killing everyone on board. And uh, that's how we end the episode. Because we, we didn't mention this, but earlier when they were in the club, Billy's talking about all the soups have dirt on them, everybody. And Huey goes, even Homelander? And he says, no, Homelander's squeaky clean. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do any of this stuff. He's actually good. And then we see him at the end here actually not be the the good hero that we thought he was. Or we kind yeah, of he's actually... He but. Right, I mean, he kind of came off as a douche, like I said earlier. But that was just, you know, personality type stuff. We didn't see any actions yet. And this is the first, like, real glimpse that we get into. Okay, this guy is willing to do whatever it takes to protect this company that he works for. For whatever reason, we don't really know yet. Um, and he's got a 100% of mean streak in him. Right. Um, yeah, he's actually, I mean, he's pretty scary at the end of this, at the end of this episode here. Just, he takes the plane out of the sky, it's night, and then he's just kind of, kind of just floating there in the air. You know, his eyes are still red for a little bit, and then he's just kind of like looking out into the distance, like, like what's going on in this guy's head right now? It's kind of crazy. Exactly. I mean, and he is essentially Superman, so like, and we don't have any kryptonite on here, so like, how do you, how do you stop this guy, right? Yeah, so he actually like he has literally zero weaknesses. <laughs> so like, there you go. he's better he's better than Superman. Well So it's almost like it's not even fair. And now that we learn that this guy's kinda evil, yeah, it's it's not <laughs> it's bad news bears. Gotcha. So I mean that's that's how we end our episode. We learn that all the superheroes are shit minus Starlight. Um, Essentially, yeah. Did you did you have any, any other interesting facts or anything you wanted to add? Um, I, I mean, I guess at this point, it's, it's worth noting that this is, I mean, this final scene, it definitely solidifies the fact that, one, there absolutely is something going on with Compound V that we don't know about. Um, two, this company is willing to do whatever it takes to protect their name and, and kind of stay on top and things like that. And Homelander is kind of the enforcer. We don't know if somebody sent him or, or what the deal was, but, but it, it's starting to look pretty sketchy at the end of this episode. And it, you know, it, the episode has started with a scene that sets the tone for, you know, a big portion of the show about how they're celebrities and how people look at them and things like that. And then the episode ends with, you know, another tone setting moment about, okay, this shit's pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't notice the juxtaposition of the beginning and the end until you just mentioned it. And, but yeah, like, yeah, I, that. um, I didn't, uh, I didn't notice that either until I just said it. So <laughs> there you have it. You're, you are so enlightened that you don't even know you are enlightened. I'm just over here freestyling, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's our episode of The Boys, episode one, the name of the game. Thanks for uh, checking us out. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at masters.cultureverse, and we'll see you soon with episode two. See you guys later. See y'all.